podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Before we get into this great episode, remember, as always, we are sponsored by the best craft brewery in the entire state of Kansas and region, Manhattan Brewing Company. Not only do they have one of my all-time favorites from MBC back on tap, The House Divided, they always have upwards of 13 different craft beers on tap for you to enjoy. Take four packs back home and some crowlers. If you don't like craft beer, well, I promise you they have something you will like. But if you're not going to give in to my urges, they also have a fully stocked bar as well. Get into Manhattan Brewing Company the next time you're in Manhattan. And remember, if your local liquor store does not carry the best craft beer in the entire state of Kansas and region, politely but kind of aggressively, tell them you would like to have it in stock. Now, for the best theme song, intro song in all the podcasts. It's the moment of the evening Every K-State fan enjoys Settle down and pour a whiskey Crack open a LaCroix Please put your hands together And make a little noise For your favorite wildcatters The handsome Bosco boys Ooh, Bosco's boys Come on, boys The boys are back And folks, we have a treat for you uh, you guys might know him from, you know, being on some reality TV show. I, I don't really want to talk about that. But this is a member of what some folks say the greatest K-State football team of all time. He was able to be a student athlete before social media was a thing. And I think he probably had more fun in Manhattan than most folks who listen to this show ever did. Like I said, he was a member of the 2003 Big 12 Championship team. And I actually think, and I've had this conversation, he might be the most famous person ever to play football for K-State. You know, a guy (laughs) named Jordy Nelson or Tyler Lockett might want to argue with that. But this man also, according to a random blogger on on Yahoo, is the most successful lead ever on a reality TV dating show. We're not going to talk much about that, but you guys read the description of this episode. We have Sean Lowe joining us on the show. Sean, thank you for hopping on with us. I I know you're down in Dallas. It looks like one of your boys is going to be really pumped for a playoff game tonight. Uh, People won't listen to this before the game, but are the Cowboys going to win tonight? Oh, man. You're you're asking me to pick between the Cowboys and Tom Brady. I think I lean towards Tom Brady in this one. I I think that uh, a lot of folks are going to make some money on that one, betting on Tom Brady. Uh, we, We won't talk much about the Dallas Cowboys But what I do want to talk about, and again, I said it, I told you this beforehand, we haven't had anyone on this show from the 2003 Big 12 championship team. We've had a handful who were on the 2012 team. Hopefully throughout this uh, spring, winter, and then uh, summer, we'll have folks who are on this most recent Big 12 championship team. But you were on that team in 2003, and I want you to take me back, you know, what was it, what what made a kid from Texas want to come up to K-State and play football? Well, for me, the answer was pretty simple. K-State's defense dominated. I think when I went into uh, my first year at K-State, we had five consecutive years of being top five total defense in the country. Uh, And we were putting out NFL linebackers like crazy. So, you know, as a young high school kid who has these big aspirations of playing big time college football and maybe one day in the NFL, 
the schools I was looking at, K-State made the most sense, and I was I was pumped to go there. So we, we've heard some stories from, from some folks who got to experience Bill Snyder towards the end of his first run, and then a lot of folks who played with him in his second go-around. What was it like, some of those practices? And again, back when you played, there, there, there weren't the NCAA restrictions on hours and some of the stuff that was going on. How grueling were some of those practices, especially going from being a high school kid to some of these practices with all these future pros, future All-Americans, uh, and the legendary Bill Snyder before there were practice rules? Yeah, I, I tell people all the time, <clears throat> you know, we take a great deal of pride in being the toughest team on the field, being the most disciplined team, uh, committing the fewest amount of penalties. And K-State, if you're comparing talent, we're not pulling in the five-star guys that your OUs are pulling in or, or your Texas are pulling in, you know. So we had to be the toughest, the most disciplined to be able to compete. And we took a lot of pride in that because we were always competitive. And more times than not, at least when I was playing, we were beating those teams anyway. Uh, so, you know, that's 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 the Bill Snyder way. I'll say this, when you're playing for Coach Schneider, you don't fully appreciate it. In fact, there are many days where I just flat out hated it, you know, because he's going, and we knew at the time, we're one of the only teams in the country who are going full pads three days a week during the season. You know, we're thumping each other pretty good during the season. Nobody was doing that. We would hear stories of uh, you know, Gundy down there in Stillwater with his hour-long practices because he felt like his his team was able to comprehend the playbook better if the, if the practices were shorter and we're just killing ourselves in these three-hour practices. Um, so like I said, I don't think I fully appreciated it while I was there, but once you leave the program and you get a little perspective, I'm, I'm so grateful that I had the chance to play for Coach Schneider. And uh, I'll, I'll give you a great example. You know, he was disciplined in, in all areas. Time management was number one. And so I, before I got on with you, I told you I was having some computer issues and it drives me crazy. Even if I'm only two minutes late to be late to anything, because he instilled that in me 20 years ago. And to this day, I still have to be early to everything I do because that's what coach Schneider taught me. I, I love hearing that. And before we get into that magical 2003 season, uh, I want to ask you, because again, College athletes nowadays, anyone nowadays, and you've experienced it in your personal life now, uh, you can't do anything without cell phones being out, pictures being out. Anything you do could become front page news. What was it like being on some of those K-State football teams? Because, again, back then, uh, you know, Kings of Manhattan, Kansas, before the social media era, what, what was it like, you know, going through Aggieville, going to your classes? Was it really kind of what, you know, the old stories make it out to be, hey, you guys are royalty rolling through there? It probably was. Um, and, you know, going from high school to a school like K-State, I don't think I fully understood what I was getting myself into. Um, and yeah, you know, you walk into a class and some of the other students find out you're a football player and they were kind of like, you know, wow, I mean, you, you play for the football team. And, it, you know, to me, just a naive 18 year old is like, yeah, you know, it's not that big of a deal. But you know, come to find out it is a big deal and you should be proud of it because, uh, you know, the school is certainly proud of their football program and the tradition and history we have. And uh, yeah, you do, you know, even though I was just a bit player, you do feel at times kind of like royalty. Um, and I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I sure was proud uh, kind of once you figure out 
just the passion that K-State fans have for their football program. I, I sure was proud to be a part of it. Getting into that 2003 season, I remember it. Uh, you know, I was still young. That that was the team that, you know, you looked up to, hey, these guys are going to be invincible. And I, I remember one of the stories my mother loves to tell to embarrass me. I was getting ready for a peewee football team when or football game when the Marshall game happened. And I just broke down in my full football pads and she yelled at me, you know, <laughs> football players don't cry, get up off the floor. Um, what was it like, you know, the preseason hype going into that 2003 season and what sort of shock went through the football program where L goes down, uh, the loss to Marshall, and then a couple more big 12 losses to start. How, how were things in the locker room and what was going through your guys' minds? Yeah. So coming off 2002 and that's the year I redshirted, we knew that we were really, really good. We had two losses, one to Colorado, one to Texas. I think cumulative, we lost by seven points, and we felt like we should have won both of those games. But we knew we were one of the best teams in the country. So 2003, uh, you know what you have in Darren Sproles. You know what you have in L. Roberson. Um, we knew that we were we were set to compete, maybe for a national championship, right? And then we lose that game to Marshall where L doesn't play, but that's no excuse. <laughs> Our team was so much better than that team, and they they came into Manhattan and beat us. I don't know if we overlooked them or what. Um, and then we lost to Texas and Oklahoma State. In Oklahoma State, we had absolutely thumped the year before, so that was a big surprise. Uh, it, it's really a testament to that team. So we had three losses in a row, mind you, and then we just put our head down and said, we're not going to lose again. And uh, we, we go on this amazing tear and we meet Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship. And at that time, people were saying this might be the greatest college football team in the history of college football. Number one, they had the Heisman winner at, at quarterback, Jason White, and uh, everyone expected them just to roll us. And obviously, you know how that turned out. It was it was quite the opposite. Um, but we we I think we as a team, and I'm speaking for everybody, we knew how talented we were. I mean, we just had some players. We had some dogs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, Terry Pierce and Josh Buell and Brian Hickman, the linebackers that I, I got to play behind, um, just absolute dogs. My my brother-in-law, Andrew Scholl, um, first first team all big 12 uh, defensive end. I mean, we were we were just loaded. And so I don't think. I don't think it surprised us as much. Maybe the score did, 35-7. I'm not sure we we knew we were going to beat them that bad. But we knew how talented we were, and it was good to show the rest of the country what we were capable of that night. Before even that game, I, I think a lot of fans remember that game at Nebraska, finally breaking that streak in Lincoln, Nebraska. What was the mood like after the game? Because, again, I think when Nebraska and Oklahoma – one of Bill Snyder's rules, you can't wear red in the football complex. How good was it to get that dominating win that also kind of like set the table? Hey, we're going to be playing in Kansas City for the Big 12 championship. Yeah, and I think it was it was huge, obviously, because they had a, a rich history of just owning us, right? And finally, the tables were starting to turn. But I also think at that time when Nebraska was in the Big 12, that was our chief rival. You know, KU, as much as we like to dislike KU, they were never much of a rival because we thumped them every year. So Nebraska getting the best of us all those years, like we really took it personal. And so I do remember, I remember they had a, uh, just an absolute crappy visitor locker room and, and all of us just going nuts after that game and having a great time on the ride home and all that stuff. So that, that was, that was a good milestone. And then uh, I think we all had our, our sights set higher than that uh, moving forward. 
Yeah, moving into that game with Oklahoma, again, before social media, you know, you're, you're hearing all the talk, whether it be on sports talk radio, reading the newspapers, or watching ESPN. How much of that outside noise were you guys digesting and taking in uh, and then kind of hyping yourself up? Because you mentioned it. Oklahoma, I think there's great video out there of Mark May talking about how they're the greatest team to ever play and the only chance K-State has if if they don't come out on the field and all that type of stuff. How much of that were you guys digesting in the moment or how much of it do you guys kind of seek out afterwards, kind of looking back and be like, oh, man, you know, they were saying all this stuff and uh, we, we, yeah. we took care of business. I think we were on such a roll. Most most guys in the K-State locker room just were very confident. We can beat these guys. I, I will say I remember, you know, at, at that time, I'm a backup linebacker playing special teams. And I remember that first opening kickoff just thinking, these guys are super fast. It, it was clear that they had some athletes that some of these teams we had beaten prior did not have, right? These guys were just blazing fast, and they were big, too. Um, but with that being said, we were just – we were just confident. We we knew we could get the job done and Sproles had a super special night and El Roberson had a great night and our defense just shut down OU's offense. So um, yeah, I don't think we, we paid much attention to what was being said outside of, of uh, the K-State locker room. Yeah. And, and what you just mentioned again, it, the Darren Sproles uh, screen pass touchdown, uh, you know, putting that next to, you know, the Deuce Vaughn touchdown, putting that next to the Colin Klein touchdown in 2012. Those are the moments where they're on the hype videos for, you know, rest of eternity. At what moment in that game did you did you kind of sit back and think, wow, we're we're not just going to win. We're going to boat race these guys. I think I, I need to go back and make sure I've got it right. But I think the last touchdown we scored and, and when you're playing with OU, you're you're probably never 100 percent confident, right? Like you can't let your guard down. But Ted Sims has the interception, the pick six, and the place just went nuts. And, and probably that pick six was the nail in the coffin. Yeah, I, I think you're probably correct there. Moving on beyond that, again, the 2004, the 2005 seasons, uh, definitely rough. Uh, and, and, you know, again, for K-State fans during that run of time, having losing seasons were not something any of us were really used to. But what were those seasons like inside the locker room? Again, you know, you're coming off those 2003 championship. Darren Sproles is coming back for the 2004 season. What was that off season like? And then what, what was the shell shock like when you're like, okay, it looks like we just don't have the magic because again, it was a lot of close losses. It's not like it was blowout after blowout. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's very easy to get, accustomed to winning and then you take it for granted and that's probably what we did and I take a lot of accountability <laughs> looking back um, I know that when I was recruited I was recruited for a purpose and it was to fill Brian Hickman's shoes when he left who was our strong side linebacker at the time and uh, I just like personally I feel like I could have put in way more effort way more work um, way more time in the, in the film room I could have been a better player I could have been the player that they recruited and I, I didn't do that. And I don't think that I was necessarily alone and just kind of doing the bare minimum to get by. And, and I tell you this, I actually wrote Coach Schneider a letter. I don't know. This was probably seven or eight years ago. I was just having this cathartic experience. And I, I wrote him a letter just kind of apologizing. Hey, I, I, I could have done more. And he was very kind and gracious in return. He said something to the effect of, you know, you were always a, a great player, a joy to coach or whatever. But uh, I, I think there was a lot of guys kind of like me who just went through the routines, 
went to practice, could have done more, did enough to get by, go in the weight room, same thing. Uh, that could have given extra effort. We could have been better. And we could have kept that that streak of winning together. And uh, yeah, un unfortunately we didn't. And when you go from having two excellent teams to uh, you know playing mediocre football, it, it's tough and people start losing their cool. I, I remember, <laughs> speaking of Coach Snyder and losing your cool, I remember we had, uh, I think it was going into the 05 season, we had three a days. First time I'd ever had three a day, it was awful. But it's almost like Coach Snyder was looking for any way possible to correct the course of, of our ship. And three days was just, it was absolutely terrible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's that's kind of where we were as a program at that time. And, and there's no excuse for it. Like, we had one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. I think it falls squarely on the, the shoulders of all the players and, and myself included. So how quality was the uh, final practice? I can't even imagine – you know, the dead legs and what sort of uh, actual work was getting done in that third practice. What were those? Third it, was, it was awful, like? man. I, I don't know in, in terms of quality, probably not very good. I just remember, you know, you start the day with fresh clothes that have been washed the night before those very quickly get sweaty. And then you're taking off sweaty clothes. You're putting them back on for practice, practice two, which is disgusting. And you're doing the same thing for practice three, which is absolutely awful. Um, Probably the two toughest weeks of my life were those those two weeks of three it is. You're you're the first person we've talked to who was probably in the room when Bill Coach Bill Snyder announces first retirement. Um, what was that like? Did that catch you guys all off guard? And what was the mood like when he announced to you guys like, hey, this game versus Missouri is going to be my final one? Yeah, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. We were in our locker room, and it caught everybody off guard. Nobody, including the coaches, to my knowledge, saw it coming. And I, I distinctly remember several of the position coaches literally crying, um, and no judgment there, because all of a sudden they're forced with the thought of, hey, I'm out of a job. You know, I've got to go look elsewhere for employment, which, you know, a lot of those coaches have been there for a long time, have family in the Manhattan School District, all that stuff. So, that was that was heavy news and coach Snyder being such a, a legend um yeah to to present that to us was was pretty tough and I think a lot of us probably felt like we caused it to some extent you know with with the two letdown seasons that we had in a row um but yeah the the mood was certainly heavy and uh it it, it definitely felt like the end of an era and then, of course, the his last game against Missouri, we we had a comeback win, which was great, and we were able to carry him off on our shoulders. But uh, yeah, I I think uh, if you were to take a consensus of all the the players, I think all of us to a man would say, man, I wish we could have done better for coach in those last two years. What was it like at halftime, like coming out of the tunnel for the last time versus Missouri for a Coach Snyder team? Uh, you know, again, you, you talked about how it was a come from behind victory. You know, what I mean, it was crappy weather. I remember I was there, but what was it like going out there on the field one last time being like, wow, this is the the final, or at least at the time thought to be the final half of football for Coach Snyder? Uh, yeah, I, I remember. So personally, it was my last college football game ever, last football game ever. And so personally for me, it was a weird feeling because I had dedicated my life from age six to that point to playing football. And so the whole day was really weird, but I do remember just 
not having any give up in the team in the locker room. We all knew we were capable of coming back and beating Missouri. And uh, it wasn't like Missouri was a, a top 10 school at the time or anything. So we, we knew we were capable of it. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad that we did mount that comeback because that would have been a bad way to, to send coach out. Now, of course, we didn't know he would come back several years later, but uh, I probably should have known that given how passionate he is about coaching. So I'll ask about him coming back. Um, what what do you think and how do you remember how you found out, hey, coach is coming back. He's going to give this another go. Um, I, I don't remember the specifics as far as where I was when I heard the news, but I just remember not being surprised and thinking it was a good move. I think bringing Ron Prince in was not the best move in the world. Um, he's He just wasn't of the K-State mold. I don't think he was a good coach to follow Coach Schneider. Um, and so I was, I think I was pleasantly pleased to hear that Coach Snyder was coming back to, to, to really just kind of regain the MO of what K-State football is. And, and like I spoke about earlier, the, the toughness, the discipline, get all that instilled. And then to that point, I think Coach Kleiman has been a perfect fit, uh, to kind of fill those shoes. Definitely. And we're going to kind of end, uh, you know, our, our chat with some more fun questions. And these fun questions are sponsored by Manhattan Brewing Company. Sean, I know you're down there in Texas, and I'm sure there's some great breweries down there. But the next time you're in Manhattan, Kansas, you need to go down to Points and check out Manhattan Brewing Company. They have something for everyone. 13 different signature beers on tap, fully stocked bar with signature cocktails. Andy can take some four packs over to Bill Snyder Family Stadium and, you know, like you need help making friends, but you'd, you'd instantly make all the friends you could ever want out there in the parking lot, Bill Snyder family stadium. Um, I'm currently wearing one of these script cats hats. I know a lot of former football players have a lot of strong opinions. Anytime they're not wearing the power cat on the helmet. What are your thoughts of them? You know, I think it's happened twice now. Uh, and you know, I'll, I'll straight up say it. they've both been losses, but what are your thoughts whenever you see them trotting out helmets that don't have the power cat on them? Now, I'll say this. I am a traditionalist. I love Power Cat. Um, I love the uniforms that I wore game in and game out. With that being said, I also know how an 18-year-old's mind works in new uniforms, different options. They think it's cool. So if we can bring in some new uniforms, maybe we don't wear them all the time, but just here and there. If that helps us, and it sounds really silly to say, but if it helps us land some good recruits because they think our uniforms are cool, and again, that's how an 18-year-old's mind works, um, I'm, I'm all for it, man. Uh, we The PowerCast's not going anywhere, but if we want to throw in some, some uh, new helmets or jerseys from time to time, that's fine by me. My next question is, and this is as close to specifically talking about your time on reality television as possible. Maybe if you if you enjoy your time, we we can have a, a podcast in the off season. We'll we'll chat a little bit more about it. But there's still a lot of stuff football wise I'd like to chat about as well. But of all your teammates at K State, who would have been the best on the Bachelor franchise? <laughs> that's a that's a great question, man. Uh, let me let me say uh, let me let me think of a good answer here. Hmm. Who would be really loud and great for TV? You know, it definitely wouldn't have been Sproles. He's way too soft-spoken. Um, I'll tell you who would have been good. Terrence Newman. Terrence Newman's got a big personality, very gregarious, would have been great on TV. 
I, I think he would have been a great guy who came in at the bachelorette, went to paradise and then eventually became the lead. I, I think you're spot on with Terrence Newman <laughs> there. Uh, the, the next one is we know you're friends with Chris Harrison. You know, he's dating Laura Zima. Chris Harrison rocks with the Horn Frogs. Lauren is a Mizzou grad. So how much trash talk did you get after the big 12 championship on Chris? And then when we dominated Missouri earlier in the season. Oh, I definitely sent Chris a text after we had beaten TCU in the Big 12 Championship. So I, I I took my boys and my dad to that game, and it was one of the greatest games I've ever been in attendance watching. Uh, such a fun game. You know, I thought when we blew that lead, I thought there's no way we're going to win this game. And then to have the, the goal line stand that we had at the end, that was just amazing. But to answer your question, yeah, I gave him some crap. Um, and he kind of he kind of rides the fence too. Sometimes he pulls for OU because he was spent some time in Oklahoma, and then sometimes he roots for TCU. But well, so that's uh, double the trash talk you could have done yeah, this past season. Yeah, he he heard it from me, and, I, and I'll tell you this: uh, I did not text Lauren about Missouri because poor Missouri has nothing to brag about, anyways. It's, you know me me rubbing that in her face. That's not really scoring any points at all. Well, you're a nicer person than me. Uh, the, the handful of Missouri folks I know, I, I made sure to let them know. And, and they're, they're <laughs> puffing their chests out saying we have to come to Columbia next year. But I think there's probably going to be 5,000 in purple going, you know, over to Columbia, Missouri. Um, the, the final one I got for you, you mentioned it. You're at the Big 12 championship game. Your kids were there. Uh, just walk me through the emotion again. You know, your team was the last one to win a Big 12 championship in the championship game. What was it like watching that, you know, with your dad, with your kids as a spectator to see them, uh, you know, not in blowout fashion, but almost in a bigger storybook uh, ending? What was it like watching that as a fan? Well, I'll say this. So one of my points of pride about being a K-Stater is the fact that we travel so well and our fan base is so passionate. And I think a lot of people believe that about their schools. But once they see how well K-State travels, they quickly realize like, yeah, our, our school doesn't do it as well as they do it. And so you walk into the stadium and granted TCU is right down the highway. I mean, they are 15 minutes away from the stadium. You know, they're going to be well represented, but you walk into the stadium and there are tons of K-State fans. And so it was loud. It was really loud. When TCU was on offense, we were making some noise. So just that alone, like I was super proud to be there. And then to see how well we played, um, the move that Deuce Vaughn put on uh, that, I think he was a safety for the long touchdown. Amazing. I lost my mind. I didn't have a voice the next day. And then, of course, the goal line stand. My dad and I are going nuts. We're high-fiving all the strangers around us. Uh, just, I couldn't have asked for a better day, a better game. It was a really cool experience to share with my father. And then, of course, my two young boys, um, I'm trying, I'm trying my best to get them excited about K-State football. Maybe, maybe one day they'll want to play there too, but it was, it was amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're, I feel like an old man when I say it's, it's been almost 20 years, but uh, yeah, almost 20 years later, we've got another big 12 championship in that, in that championship game. It was really special to be there. Definitely. Well, Sean, I appreciate all the time you gave us. We always give the final word to our guests. So if you want to tell the boneheads, that's what we call our fans. Uh, or anyone who just happens to come across this episode, uh, the floor is yours. Um, I wish I would have prepared something. Uh, I'll See, say that's this. the fun, springing this on people. <laughs> you know, if they're first time on there, I uh, get to spring them on them. This just means that you probably need to come on in the summer where things get a little less structured. And uh, we'll really, if you thought that some of those were fun questions, 
oh, you know, come in the summer where things really get wacky. Well, invite me back. I'll be I'll be glad to join. I'll say this: I will be back in Manhattan next next fall, um, bringing the family up for another football game. I'm looking forward to seeing all my my K State friends and family up there and, and having a good time in Aggieville, and then watching our cats win. Um, and to everyone listening, again, we've got the best fan base in college football. I really do believe that. So I'm, I'm proud to be uh, I'm proud to be a cat. And yeah, thank, thanks everybody else for supporting our cats. Uh, it's it's really is special. Well, thank you again, Sean. Folks, if you guys are listening, it's on release day again, 6 p.m., big one in Bramlage Coliseum, K-State versus KU, Jerome Tanks. First matchup in the Sunflower Showdown. We'll have a live show on Spotify Live Wednesday, 7 p.m. You guys can tell me what you want me to ask Sean when he comes on again in the summer, and uh, we'll, we'll see what good ones you have. So for Sean, for my dog Chauncey, we love you guys, and go Cats. Hail to the Podcast Network.